Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. City of Chronicles is a Mayor Chronicles production. Hello, Chronicles Tifosi. We need to start this week's City Chronicles episode with... An apology, an acknowledgement. We know you've missed having Mina and I together for our recordings. We've missed being together for our recordings, to be honest with you. This has been a conversation we've been having ever since the start of this season. We tried the video postcards. We're not necessarily done with the video postcards. It might be a bit of everything going forwards, but we're so excited to be back doing an episode together. Hi, Mina. Hi, Nikki. <laughs> I, I feel like oh my God. it's such a it's such an improvement <laughs> in our lives that we're just back to doing this, you know. I'm really excited. It is. It's been honestly, it's been way too long. Um, obviously, like we were able to get together regularly during the summer transfer window because we're doing things with Sky Sports. September's always a blur for me, Mina. I'm sure it's the same for you. Like the, the season starts and then immediately the Champions League starts. You know, I've I've been very fortunate to get over to Naples and did a, a video postcard from there for the Champions League. But I, I know you've been nonstop with work as well these last few weeks, haven't you? Yeah, also because it's been covering just different leagues. So it's been a little bit more like... Like some weeks, uh, it was like horrible. Last week, I watched a lot of Premier League, right? And then when it came to Italian football, I was like, oh gosh, now I have to start watching all these games. And sadly, I decided to watch, you know, some, like luckily Inter had, had a good match, but I watched Juventus at Atalanta and thought, time to slice my myself, you know, like <laughs> stab myself in the eye, you know? Um, so it, it's been like, I, I kind of feel like also because I've got this article coming up on Bellingham. So I've been watching lots of Real Madrid. So I just kind of feel like a bit, detached from the drama of Serie A football, if you want. And so that's been really hectic for me and trying to catch up on all of it as well, you know? You heard that, everyone. She's cheating on us with other leagues. And I'm going to ask you, Mina, when you're watching, when you're watching the Premier League, when you're watching La Liga, do you see 
a centre forward, one of the most beautiful centre forwards in European football, let's add, stepping in goal for the last five minutes of a game <laughs> and then making a game-winning save. Don't get that in the Premier League, Mina. No, you really don't. But I just, I don't know why, but it's so nicky to start off with Giroud. <laughs> <laughs> and I just don't know why, but it's also like the pronunciation of Giroud that it's always been like, I always worry how I say it because of the way that Nikki says it, you know, because she always mentions the D, you know, and then I'm like, is it, is it Giroud or is it Giroud? <laughs> and then can you just, you're just this biggest fan. Okay, I have to explain this. Last year, we had to do, um, Nikki invited me to do the Guardian top players in Europe. <laughs> yeah. And we had to list. Wow, top 100 in the world. Top 100 in the world. And we had to list where all these players would end up. And the first thing she asked me is, where are you going to put Giroud? <laughs> it's like the most important one for her, you know, which I had to explain. I mean, there was all these conversations of whether Messi should be up front or, or Mbappe or Benzema, because at the time they had won, you know, the, the Champions League. And there's Nicky. So is Giroud, where is he in, like, top 20, top 40? Where is he? <laughs> It was brilliant. And so, of course, on our, when we are finally reunited for the pod, we will start this pod with Giroud as a goalkeeper. So. Of course. Of course. He was and the first thing to say is, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, because honestly, like, I, I think I'm quite good with languages. Obviously, I, I've spoken Italian since I was quite young. I've had some sort of exposure to it. And um, that helps with then, like, learning other languages. And so I... I did well at French at school. I did well um, with a little bit of Spanish that I learned. But it's it's really funny you said that about the Giroud because I know that even though I did well in my grades in French in school, <laughs> I was always getting stick for my accent from my teacher. Like he was always giving me a hard time about my my French accent. So yeah, really? wrong, but that's just how. I'm Is that like covered? Um, <laughs> covered. Covered. Yeah, covered. Covered. I still don't know which of those is right. I just use both. Um, but. Um, yeah, look, I, I do think he's he's such a particular character. I wrote about him for my Guardian column this week and I, I, the reaction you get in the comments section, I think just speaks to this particular hold he has on some fans as as just being this sort of odd blend of, yes, he's obviously brilliant, brilliantly talented. He scored some hugely important goals. He scored um, crucial goals for, for Milan winning the Scudetto. Um, he's still scoring goals at, at 35 years old. But he's also got this slightly sort of workmanlike quality to him where he can go to a World Cup and not score a goal, but win it and be like, yeah, well, that's okay because I won the World Cup and I was important to it, even though I didn't score a goal and I'm a centre forward. And I think there's always been that that sort of, despite being a very, very handsome man despite being <laughs> oh, uh, uh, a good goal scorer he's got a certain everyman quality to him certainly when you compare him to the Mbappes of the world I think of Mbappe because he plays them obviously for the national team or, or when you compare him to um, a Haaland or an Osimhen, the superhumans he's not a superhuman he's not particularly fast he's not particularly dominant in any sort of um, single way that some strikers are but they just has been so consistently productive and and won so much, and um, and so for him to end up being the one who goes in goal and the story of how he goes in goal is great, by the way, because Christian Pulisic says, "Well, actually, I've I've played in goal a bit. I don't mind doing it." You just and know Pulisic he was goes, desperate to do it. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like yes. Pulisic is really upset in all of this. <laughs> you know, like I wanted to be there. <laughs> 
I think Pulisic has a cousin who's a goalkeeper as well. Is it William Pulisic, I think, as well? So I, I don't know how much experience he's got in goal, but I suppose you might get some uh, some um, unimpressed Genoa fans pointing out that he did quite a good job of using his arm to control the ball in the build-up to the goal he scored in this game, Christian Pulisic. So handling the ball comes naturally. But but Giroud does make a save at the end of the game from Puskas, Um it's a real sort of close your eyes and throw yourself at the ball and swing an arm at it. Can't see what's happening, but got away with it moment. And then he, he does better on the second ball because he just sort of jump up and, and jumps on it. Um, but it just adds to this um, iconic moment. And Milan did a brilliant job. Milan have done really well on this sort of thing as a club, I think, in the last couple of years of playing on the moments and the memes and immediately moved him on their official website from a striker to a goalkeeper in the squad list and started selling his home, the home goalkeeping shirt with his name on. That was sold out in less than 12 hours. They sold out all of the, every size of their home goalkeeping shirt was sold out because people were buying it to print Giroud's name on it. Um, so, um, an iconic moment and quite a good result, Mina. They've now won seven out of eight games and a top of the table, Milan. Okay. So just a few things to say to you. I don't know, but if, if you go on dating apps, men always tell you that if they're under 5'10", then nobody picks them. <laughs> so I'm just wondering, does Pudisic, would he get picked on these dating apps if he notes down his eyes? <laughs> And then it's Giroud, like, everyone's favourite, right? Because he's so tall. And also, I love where Giroud goes in it because you could see he's, like, kind of like, oh, my face, but I'm just going to go for it anyway. You know, like, I just, I love that about him. And it was, like, a terrific save, to be honest with you. Although Goodmanson was was really unlucky as well with hitting the crossbar from the free kick just before. And he said that. He's like, I got lucky in this. So, yeah, like, it was a brilliant, brilliant moment. I mean, what a game to have two of your goalkeepers sent off and to have a whole game onto itself in the last 10 minutes. Uh, it, it's just, honestly, it was brilliant, brilliant entertainment. I mean, one of the best matches. Um, but yes, I, I I also love that Milan are basically part club, part entertainment company. And they're even down in, in like, tax and, 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 and accounting as as an entertainment company as well. And so, obviously, they're going to make the most of, like, selling a shirt as soon as possible to, like, make dinero you know like bring the dollar in um but it was it was something that i'd honestly go and buy as well because what i so do you remember nikki we had this conversation actually via postcards but it was after the derby and i was really really upset about how much flack um purely and minan were getting and they rightfully did a terrible job and you rightfully pointed out like how tactically poor they were in that match and the decisions that they chose and I guess what I've always understood is that it was worth a punt to go toe-to-toe to see what your players are capable of doing. Lose this one because it was so early in the season with so many new buys that it would teach you a little bit more about your squad to then go and say, okay, now I know what I'm working with and this is how I can plan going forward. And I don't know why, I just, I really, I'm really sensitive about Pioli, a little bit more than I am probably about than Max Allegri. <laughs> yeah, like Pioli really is my god, right? Like, as in I just worship at this guy's altar. And I just never think that he does something without forethought. So I just, it does seem dumb because it's like, how many derbies are you going to go and do this for? But at the same time, it's 10 players and I just feel like he needed to understand his team. And ever since then, they don't have a hangover from that. They've been dominant in every way. They're above Inter. They're 
they're scoring with Okafor. Um, and, and I just feel like we have a steadier and better understanding of the team. And more importantly, that mentality of, yeah, I'll go and goal and I'll save and Pulisic wants to go and we're going to argue over it. And this is our team and we're going to fight to the end. It's something that we don't see from Inter. I'm I'm really sorry. I'm being distracted because Simon is writing into the uh, Google document we use for our run sheet. Producer Simon right as we're talking and saying, just announced Euro 2032 will be held in Italy and Turkey. UA for accepting to join. That's fantastic news. So, so excited to hear that. Um, oh, that's we, brilliant. It was on the cards, but still to have that confirmed is brilliant. Um, so just nine years and then we can get to... Um, if we qualify. Oh, no, we will qualify. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> one pack. <laughs> um, oh, I wish we had the World Cup. <laughs> then we could just do it. <laughs> um, but that is exciting news. It would be fantastic to have a major tournament in a new Italian city. There's so many great cities in Italy to visit and to, to have football in. And hopefully this means some extra work gets done on stadiums as well. We cross our fingers, we hope. Istanbul um, is also a terrific but, city for a football match. I mean... I've never been to Turkey. <gasps> that would be a great excuse. Oh I mean, hopefully I'll get to go before then, but I've never been. Oh my God, Nikki, I want to take you now, just so you can see it. It's like a whole world onto itself. It's brilliant, you know? <laughs> Let's go right now. Let's stop the podcast. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> pack <podcast>. your bags. <laughs> um, I certainly lost track of where we were, but yeah, I mean, I, I think um, I, I think Milan were lucky in this game. Obviously, the Pulisic handball to me is just a handball. It just is, um, and uh, and and I'm surprised that the um, referee wasn't sent to the monitor by VAR. I think Milan have been very imperfect in this early start of the season, and yet I think it's not an accident that they've won seven games. I think Tonali being gone. Um, They've really reinvested that money smartly. Obviously, Pulisic has had a great start, but it's Musa who gives him the ball for that um, for that goal against Genoa. So Musa's been involved well. Loftus Cheek, obviously, before he got injured, has started well. Reinders has started well. I, I do feel like they've really reinvested that money smartly, and that um, Pioli has 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 done some good things. But because I think it's our first time together, we should widen out and talk about the title race, Mina. Okay. Um, despite themselves drawing this weekend I still look at Inter as the team to beat in Serie A so far this season they drew two all with Bologna they're two points behind Milan at the top of the table well on paper Inter is the best side I mean not in paper on practice in practice Inter is the best side when you watch them they have far above and beyond than more than any other side in Serie A but it's that psychology that I don't trust and it's going to be a hot take and I get it but I'm not I'm not Inzaghi's biggest fan. I think he's a great coach, but I still think he's only in his development because sometimes I just kind of feel like it's a little bit like you have to change something within the side in the sense that this always keeps happening. You keep throwing points away against signs that you can beat, especially when you've gone like 2-0 up, right? Like this happened against Sassuolo. You score the goal and then you just, you lose your momentum. And Bologna, who haven't scored goals in their last three matches, are able to do this to you suggest something that of a mental fragility there that we've always known because it's called Pazza Inter for a reason, right? But not being able to fix it, though, 
it, it, you know, it's not just Inzaghi's duty, but it's been something that perhaps only Antonio Conte could do in recent years was to make sure that they were always concentrated on what they needed to do. And I feel like when it's a big match for them, like it's the Champions League, you know, Inter's there and they'll be brilliant. And defensively, they've been sound. But then the way they defended against Bologna, I mean, I don't know what was going on with Pavard, Bastoni and Acerbi. I mean, Pavard especially. Actually, no, that, that's a lie because Bastoni looked really confused as to who's defending. And there's, there's problems there that if you, they do face teams that do have technical players that, that know how to really attack them and are not scared to attack them, I'm interested to see what happens. But likewise, when I look at Milan, I don't see them as being this, you know, this team that, really enough, they have been defensively strong recently. But I do think Milan have more of an unpredictably, unpredictability about it. And purely what I've always liked about him, which is why I've always rated him, is that he has been somebody who's tactically changed things up according to the game, you know, whether it's being playing Benacer as a trequartista or moving around like Tonali, who has become almost a striker towards that Scudetto winning um, triumph. He will change and adapt his players accordingly. Whereas I feel like with Inzaghi, when stuff is not working, he doesn't always have a plan B that shows me he, he can change around the whole tactics to do something different. He more mostly just changes players, right? And that's something that was he was accused of doing last season. And so going forward, they have the best team. If they get to play their plan A, then they'll pretty much always win. But if a team responds to that, I worry about them. But there's really not that many, like as in certainly into, uh, I agree with you, the team that should win this. On Milan's defending, Mina, there's something that I only became aware of um, in the last round. I think it might even have been our old friend, Matteo Benetti, who tweeted it. I'm sorry if it was someone else, I'm giving credit in the wrong place. But this season, um, when Fikayo Tomori is on the pitch, Milan have only conceded two goals. So Fikayo Tomori, after a bit of a down season last season, has has actually really sort of um, had a, a really good start to this season. Um, that when it, yeah, one of the games that they conceded a goal in, in fact, is the 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 game against Roma where he gets sent off and they concede afterwards. So there's a, uh, I suppose, a, a bit of a of a one that undermines the statistic a little bit there because, of course, it's still his fault for getting sent off. Um, but the uh, yeah, that his form has been a big part of it. I do think that that the team is playing in a more um, a slightly more balanced way than it did last season. And I think that Pioli absolutely gets all the credit for that. I think it's perhaps the untold part of their Champions League run so far. And I think they've been very unlucky to only have two points from the, the two Champions League games, which might be fatal because they're in a very difficult group, but it's it's still unlucky for them to have only drawn both those games when I think they yeah. could have won both of them. Um, but defensively, they have been much more solid. And it's, it's surprising um, given last season I was really worrying about Tomori honestly so it's, it's surprising and encouraging to see him back playing well um I think the thing with Inter is just when you see them in the big games they're they're so much on a different level yeah I mean you think they absolutely crushed Milan they absolutely crushed Fiorentina they could have beaten Benfica I know it was only one nil but that could have been easily another four nil the way the game went um and Lautaro is I think I asked you this in a in a video postcard yeah. <laughs> not long ago, but he's, he's playing right now at the level of, of one of the best players in the world. He just is. Whether he can do it all season is always the question with Lautaro because in the past he's been hot and cold, but he he's so good. And I think Milan, as much as I love Giroud, don't have that no. one transformative player that Lautaro can be. Um, and clearly Marcus Turam has been 
a delight. I love watching Marcus Turam play. I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'm more somebody who watches Turam, like prefers Turam style of play. But Latar Martinez, especially because in small spaces and the way that he just gives and goes, and he has really developed his game. I think he's been tremendous to watch this season. This was a, not his best game, I guess, in the sense that he gave away the penalty. Um, but certainly having like Marcus Turam and Natal Martinez as your starting duo is probably above and beyond what any other Serie A team has to really go forward. Um, and their, their team has the best midfield and has the best attack. So this is why I agree with you. When you when you pit them, like they are the team that I can put against Man City and feel like they'll give them a good game. I can put them against any, obviously they did that in the Champions League already and they, they did brilliantly. But in most matches, you feel like Inter could really take on any side, whereas I would worry with Milan against, I don't know, Man City, let's say, you know, or Juventus who are the other Scudetto challengers with Fiorentina, whoever. But Inter's the only side that I can say to you that if you ask me which side would you send out from Italy to face the big ones to represent Serie A, then you had Inter. Yeah, and it's it's so. I mean, I guess we'll see. Maybe Milan will 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 I dispel my doubts. My my worry for Milan in their Champions League group, for instance, is that I think they've played two mostly good games and they could have six points, but now they've got two. And I, in my mind, honestly struggle to see that defence containing Kylian Mbappe. And that is the question. Now, maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe that defensive solidity really can withstand Mbappe, but that is the question I've got in my mind. Well, if Dan Burns can contain him and Kieran Trippier, I, I feel like, okay, <laughs> I understand. As in, in my head, I was like, what? I mean, if it, here's the thing. I really hope Enrique makes the same mistakes and plays a 4-2-4 against Milan because that team was so obnoxiously overloaded and so devoid of any control in midfield. And if, if PSG do that, Purely is number one at destroying them because Purely is better than Eddie Howe. So I, I do, I wonder because I really hope Enrique decides to do that again because then I can, you know, then it'll be really great if it's Newcastle and Milan then go through and PSG, they get knocked out. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, well, yeah. And I, and I think you're right. I think those two games now for PSG and Milan determine the group because I think yep. from what I've seen so far this season and um, in the Champions League and in, in the, the domestic performance as well, Borussia Dortmund are, are not good enough to to finish in the top two in that group, in my opinion. So it does come down to two of the other three. I think watch me be proved wrong in the weeks to come. Um, the other uh, team we should be talking about with the Serie A title race, I mean, it clearly is the reigning champions um, who lost 3-1 at home to Fiorentina this weekend. Um, really, I, I think we want to talk about Fiorentina here as well because they were brilliant. But to sort of just continue that conversation about the title race first. We came into the season with concerns about Rudy Garcia. Um, and I'm certain we're going to talk about those some more in a second. Um, he uh, had this not particularly impressive start. And the club has this ridiculous social media meltdown with the extremely ill-advised TikTok videos and what I thought was poor handling of that story afterwards. I thought the club really didn't get ahead of that story well. Um, but then the upshot of that is two ga- two wins in a row in which they score four goals. Victor Osterman makes a, a sort of public statement showing his uh, closeness to the team. They play against Real Madrid and it's not a perfect performance. It's an uneven performance, but there was a part of that game against Real Madrid where they played probably their best football of the season. Yes. And Kratz Scaly is on fire. And in the end, they really only lose that game to Real Madrid because Jude Bellingham is a transformative player. That's really why they lose that game in the end. Um, so there was some positive there. And then they come back to Serie A and they play Fiorentina. And I, 
I don't think you could call this undeserved at all. I don't think that Fiorentina stole anything. I thought they um, played with super aggressive, um, in your face. We're going to keep a high line for the whole pitch, even more than Madrid did, kept that high line up the pitch. And they disrupted those supply lines and, and they deserved to come away with the three points they did. So where is this Napoli? Like, where are they? Are they still a title contender? Is it all about Rudy Garcia? What's the deal, Mina? I mean, firstly, I think that you, I have to agree with you against Real Madrid. I mean, Real Madrid and, and certainly my friends who who are from there were very surprised at Napoli because obviously I had maybe not said the best things about them coming forward. And I was like, no, I mean, I just don't know if they'll give you a game <laughs> because I was worried about the way what I'd seen on the Rudy Garcia, even though they had started to perform better. But they were like, what are you talking about? They're really good. And I was like, yeah, they were really good. Um, but there's just this, there's this moment that sticks out in my head against that match. And obviously you went to it, but it's just this, Anguissa is, is at the back of Jude Bellingham and Jude Bellingham runs in front of him. So he forces him into a decision. Are you going to foul me or are you going to let me go? And Anguissa made the right decision because they were in, he had a, a back four in front of him, right? And so you would think that the defense line would stop Bellingham, but they didn't. And this is where the part of, there's two things that pop out to me in that sense, yeah? I mean... They're missing Kim Min Jae, but the defensive understanding of the team is really terrible. And Anguissa should have perhaps then found him if he had realized that this team is so defensively awkward at the back and not want to take a punt. But what I mean to say is that this is great coaching by Ancelotti because Bellingham is a superstar. But the way that he is performing at the moment in this free role shows you that it's it's even he has been enhanced by clever coaching, which is the speed of thought. Because before Bellingham even took that shot, you thought how have you even taken a shot when I haven't even realized on the pitch with my own eyes what's going on? And that, that is the, the speed of thought. This, I mean, obviously he's a great individual, but Victor Osman and Kravatskeria are not so far away from these guys. And yet I don't think they are being enhanced mm-hmm. to the same level or trained to the same level. I mean, Kravatskeria is the most unpredictable player. And you just felt like they were exhausted from defending against him, but he's just shunted so out wide. And I just feel like Osman is alone, battling alone. And I and it bothers me because Osman is such a superstar, and I feel like if he's just allowed to just have some players that are close to him, the, the tactical decisions are bothering me from Rudy Garcia. To be honest with you, and the side is lacking this lucidity and the and the ball rotations and the circulations that made them so interesting. And I go back to my initial point, which is that they are playing as sort of players, you know, that you put on a team. Okay, you're my winger, you're my striker, and not really understanding of the full tactics that it takes to blend it all together and make it a team. But on the other side, I'm also torn because I've always thought Napoli has a psychological problem. So when Rudy Garcia came out after this match against Fiorentina, a big loss once you've seen Italiano's fabulous football, and said it's a question of psychology, I can't disagree with that either. Because they've never been the best at these moments. You know, we've, they've always had problem within the side when, when the players don't like the coach or don't agree with what's going on. There isn't that discipline to keep going forward, I feel. And I, and I, like, the players have to buy into it before they will follow you all the way. And they're clearly not buying into whatever Rudy Garcia is selling. So there is a psychology, there's always a, a problem of psychology and mentality because I don't think they like the coach. You could see that with the substitutions this time around. I think it was Politano. And Osman, I mean, what were these decisions, right? It's madness what he deserves to do against Fiorentina with the subs. But it's also the madness of how much the players felt it. So there's clearly a disconnect there. But on the other hand, I still feel like the team is lacking 
that lucidity. So it is a question of tactics too. But you sack Garcia, who's available now, right now, to take. And this is, I mean, if it's Marco Giampaolo, I bet I'm giving up on Serie A entirely. I'm not even going to watch. Like, I'm not going to watch <laughs> this Juventus side and Napoli under Marco Giampaolo. I'm, I'm done. You know? <laughs> like, I'm done. Yeah. I, I mean, to, to go back to the Bellingham thing, I remember watching um, and, and thinking as well, you know, I think I said this on the Stan broadcast, uh, I remember when Spalletti was was still there last season, he described Leo Ostergaard as the best header of the ball he'd ever seen, ever in his career. And of course, Ostergaard scores that first goal, but what Spalletti didn't say is he's the best defender I've ever seen. And with the ball on the floor, I think he's still got a lot to learn. He's yeah. 23 years old, Ostergaard. Yeah. And I think he's actually got scope to continue getting better. Um, but but he's he's not Kim Min-Jay right now. And and clearly that, that's been a big difference in this team. Um, and it's not just that you've lost Kim Min-Jay, you've also got Rahmani injured, you've got Juan Jesus injured. They are short at the back and that is part of the story of how their seasons started 100%. It would be crazy for it not to be. I, I also um, think there's potentially something in the decision to start Oliveira more often at left back instead of Mario Rui. I, I've not always been Mario Rui's biggest fan, but I've, I've seen a few people making this point recently that um, when Rui was on the pitch, the distance in that left side between him and Kvaratskhelia was usually shorter than yeah. what it is with Oliveira because yes. Rui is more attacking. And I think that's I think that's definitely part of the the magic mix that's gone wrong this season is the the, the just the disconnect between the the, the midfield and the, de- and the defense, the d- midfield and the attack is, it feels wider and it's why Osman always looks so isolated as well. So I think that those subtle changes as well can can be harming the team. I, I think I'm sort of in two minds because I, I'm not a big believer in Garcia and he hasn't really done anything to prove me wrong, but I also think it's wrong to put it all at his doorstep. Mm. What's difficult in this um in this particular game is you look across at the other bench and you think, well, it's, it's the game show, isn't it? Mina? here's what you could have won. Yes. If you just hired Vincenzo Italiano, who in my opinion is a coach who did get everything right in this game. I mean, the decision to start Icone ahead of Nico Gonzalez, Nico Gonzalez has been your top scorer this season. who has been brilliant, but you start Icone and Icone who, and we're not talking about someone who's famously brilliant at winning tackles, but he led, both teams in number of tackles he won in this game because part of it is just a fresh pair of a fresh set of legs and a player who you've got into their head and given them the right attitude and that's what he did he's got he's got into Hikone's head he's asked him to do a particular job and Hikone's done it brilliantly pressing the team high up the pitch and Italiano has, has really got I feel like he's got that magic at the moment he's making the right decisions again and again with Fiorentina this is a huge win for them um and there's just so many players performing above themselves. I mean, Nico Gonzalez has been magnificent, but Bonaventura at 34 years old is playing some of the best football in his career, uh, scored again in this game. Um, Brecolo had a great game on the opposite wing as well. Obviously, I've just mentioned Iconi. There's so many players in this team that I think he's he's getting more and more from. And I, Even someone is soon going to give this guy the, 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 the job. Um, sorry, Mina, I, I talked over you. No, I was going to say... Um... Even Coyote, I was saying, I, I really like him. But uh, who... Mm. Italiano should have gone the Napoli job, right? But he didn't. Mm. And it was almost like he wanted to show them what they were missing out on. But obviously, he, he's not caring about that. He cares about Fiorentina first and foremost. 
I mean, he took risks with this and yet Nap and like he put three men at the back and Napoli couldn't still find their way through, right? And and one thing I have to agree with Garcia is that four fouls committed during the entire game. I mean, it's true. Like, where's your desire to win? Like, this is why Milan right now stand out, right, between all the others, is that there is a clear desire within that team to win at all costs, which I don't see from all the other sides. Um, but this, my question for you is, I know that you're a big fan of Deserbi. Deserbi or Italiano? <laughs> what would you do if you have a team? I, I think Italiano is 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 the, <gasps> the the coming man of Italian football. I do. I, I like Deserbi a lot, and I'm excited for him that he's, um, as you were just talking about, Mina. Gone. Um, was this before we started recording? I think it was. You were talking about um, people going abroad, uh, footballers going abroad, and and proving themselves. And I think that Deserbi has gone to the Premier League and proved himself in a very different environment, and and it's brilliant to see. But I. I really think Italiano is is going to be Special. winning titles in his career. I, I think that's going to happen. Um, I think it's probably asking too much for him to win titles at Fiorentina, Mina. But could I mean could they be a top four contender at the end of the season? Is this sustainable? I mean, with the team that they have, and considering they're stretched, and yet what is amazing is that look how many players he changed, right? He rotates, and they still mm. understand the message. And it's not this such a heavy scheme in the same way that I would say I would have described sort of Deserbi style of football, which is very system orientated. It, you can see the players that IQ has been elevated, and in a way that Spalletti does, right? Like it, it's it's a superpower to elevate the IQ of your players, where there's a constant outlet for the for the ball pass like I mean he is I mean he has got a lot of technical players and he's really taken the best out of that because it's not a team that every time someone has a ball they want the ball they take the ball they look for it's 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 clever it's so clever I mean he takes defensive risks but they are measured risks as well that are worth it and I mean I wish him all the success in the world I mean we we loved him back at Spezia like we were his biggest fans and I'm honestly like I, I think that he should definitely get a big team yeah, the, I think it's a long way to the end of the season, isn't it? And there are other it teams is, yeah. that will probably put ahead of them in that top four conversation. Um, they still perhaps like goals from the centre forward position. That's the thing. Been okay, but he hasn't hasn't had so many goals. So long way to go. Um, waiting to see more from Lucas Beltran as well, who they signed in the summer. Um, but brilliant stuff from Fiorentina. Uh, talking of teams who might get in their way to the top four, talking of teams that I know Mina has loved every minute that she's watched them this season. Juventus, Mina, they did win again. They are third in the table. Why aren't you more excited about Allegri Ball? Oh, stop it. <laughs> it's, it's, you know what it is? It's weird. I was trying to think about why I was upset after this game and it wasn't really about the style of play because I'm just like, what are you going to do with Avlavic and Kayser? And I'm, you know, I mean... I think what I'm mostly depressed about is that, like, i watching Bellingham, right, and watching some of these great players, and then you just look at Juventus' players and you think, <laughs> I mean, they're just, it's so goddamn awful. Like, just how did we get to the stage where, like, you know, people are crying over Milik's jersey? Like, I just don't like we were the side of Ben Piero and, and Platini, and I just kind of feel like, like, God love Milling. Like, thank you for scoring the second goal. But it's just, it's not a, like, 
everything about it is just so mediocre. Everything about it is so average. And when I think of all the other teams, weirdly, I do realize that I have a soft spot for Torino. I don't like seeing them lose. I don't know why. So I don't know how it's possible that I have a soft spot for Torino, but I have a soft spot for Torino. And I feel bad of them that this is mm-hmm. just a, another derby that they've lost. And they're always from set players. It, they always lose from set players. Um, so of the f- last 15 goals in the derby, 15 have come from free kicks or corners. I know, honestly, this is the best that you can hope for when you don't have your strikers available to you. I mean, at least it wasn't as boring as it was against Atalanta. But I just, the, the team doesn't want the ball. This is the difference between looking at Fiorentina and you look at Juventus. Juventus are runners. They, they press you high and then they just want to run. They want to run into open spaces that are not always available to them. They are a team of runners. They want to beat you man for man. You look at Timothy Weyer and that's what he wants to do. And if he can't take on his man, then he looks confused as to what his next move is. No one in midfield can take the ball and keep it. And so you've got Locatelli just like in, in, in a sea of runners, having no idea what he can do next. Because as soon as he's, he's pressured, there's no one that can take the ball and do something with it. There's nobody who knows what to do with the ball, barring him. And he is not the, the, you know, the foremost greatest creator of, of chances, but he's better than what anyone else is in the middle. You've got McKenny and Rampiot, like... I don't understand. This team is so poorly constructed in the sense that there's just only one type of player available to them. And and that is a, a player that can run. And so I just, it bothers me because I just don't know how much you can really squeeze out of this team. And I think that Allegri will squeeze out enough wins um, and because they are defensively very secure and very solid. And that is a reaction to the hideous mistakes that they made against Sassuolo and now they don't concede. But it is a team that cannot create when you don't have players who be, enjoy being on the ball and who have the technique to be on the ball. And you look at Fiorentina, you look at Bologna, and you see players who enjoy that. And it sucks that whoever built this team didn't think about all the things that are necessary to have a varied squad. And it doesn't help that Fagioli wasn't playing either. But I don't know how much he would have helped. And oh, Anyway, I'm just angry. But yes, they are doing well and I believe they will. Do you know what I find? Yes. Do you know what I find frustrating with this team, Mina, is that actually they've played some in patches actually really entertaining football. I'm thinking about the first game of the season when they crushed um, Udinese 3-0 and then the game against Lazio when they won 3-1. There there have been these moments when you see Chiesa and Vlaovic on the pitch together and suddenly it's like, but it's almost like but it's they running. can do that when they, yeah, it is running. You're right. It, it's it's very one note. And I suppose in some ways, actually, it's quite like Conte's best teams at, at um, Inter even, mm. when it was all about the, is it counterattacking? No, it's not counterattacking. It's partenze. It's fast breaks. It's different. But when teams let them let, let them do that to them, it can, it can be devastating. But I, I do think as well, Actually, this team has sometimes looked its best and certainly its most entertaining when it's embraced chaos. Yeah. But Allegri never wants to do that. He always wants to pull them back to structure. He always wants to pull them back to order. Because um, um, when they embrace that chaos, I think they've got several players who thrive in it. Kiesa, I think, is definitely a player who thrives in chaos. I think I've said before that McKenney is a player who thrives in chaos. There are certain players in that team who really rise to it. Um, it was interesting in this game to see... Um, Away and McKinney both start the because McKinney's been playing a lot at right wing back. Where I actually think he's been quite good, not me remarkable, too. but I think he's been re- good. He reminds me a lot of Quadrado, actually, which is kind of what Allegri wants. 
um, in that role. So interesting to see a way I start outside and have both of them in the team for this game. Um, this was a very particular game. I mean, honestly, if you watch, um, if you haven't seen this game, all you really need to know is that every single time Juventus took a corner, Van Jimenez, <laughs> Savage in goal for, you know, just disappeared, went for a run wherever he felt like it and, and, and gave them another chance to score. But, um, but uh, it was, you- um, it was a win and Juventus are joint third. And I think exactly as Mina just said, when you look at them, when you look at that sort of grim allegriness of it, I find it very hard to see them finishing outside the top four. I think they will be good enough to do that. Whether or not they can fight for the title, I'm I'm a bit less convinced. I, I think it's important that they buy, obviously with Pogba out, um, it's it's you like this cannot be the midfield going forward. Like it, there has to be a player who understands how to keep the ball because there's so many of these players that are just one note um, and they're all very linear in the way that they move. And unless it's going to be chaotic, which you just can't have because you never can build towards something if you're a chaotic team. You can't have a project based on chaos, right? So I... Uh, I <sighs> Unless you want to be a one-note team, then they have to make proper investments and they've had a cash injection going forward. But I And I, they are saying that they'll look for somebody, but if it's Hoiberg, then stab me in my eye right now because I, this cannot be the alternative to, to, to what we need right now. Most importantly, if Allegri goes, which this is the thing, I you know how, how much I value Allegri, but Allegri is made for teams that are capable and older and teams that are, I would say, like an Inter right now. He, that's when he gets the best out of them because he can really push the side to win on all on all three fronts or at least reach finals. He's not good with this type of squad. He, it's not the right match. This squad is not the right match for Allegri. Allegri is not the right match for this squad. So there's, there's obviously a disconnect there because he needs older players, experienced players, because he's about extracting the IQ levels of them. And the, these kids... They're just kids, right? So they need a system and because they don't have the IQ or the experience to understand how to adapt to different things. They need a system right now to get a hold of. A hold of. And so there's a, there's a problem there. But um, sorry, I do feel like this is Juventus and I'm just going on about it. But I do... I feel like it's remarkable that a team that only has one game a week still battling injuries. <laughs> As in, I keep thinking it's one game a week and you'll have your players available. And it's the only team that is lacking like most of its squad. And I'm just thinking, what's going on, you know? Um, but yes, it is. It is and, and I'm sorry, I don't love Chesney at the back either. There's just, there's nothing about the squad that screams Juventus. Everything about the squad to me screams mid-team. And the only thing of actually who screams Juventus is Allegri because at least he has some sort of gravitas to him. <laughs> Whereas the rest of them is so... It's just, it's all shambolic. It's all shambolic. So I don't know, but I, I feel like if it's up to me, I would sell the entire side. Um, oh, honestly, I, I really would. So, and just buy completely different players. But congratulations on winning another derby. Congrats. I mean, Torino were just hideous. So hideous, hideous. I mean, to the extent that Juric got emotional, but I feel sorry for him too. But you can't, like, I mean, Zapata is so isolated up front. But anyway. I'm certain we could talk even more about Juventus, but I want to keep us moving. And I'd like to talk about the two Rome clubs, Mina. They both got actually pretty good wins this weekend. Um, Cagliari, uh, so Roma won 4 1 away to Cagliari, which uh, expected perhaps because Cagliari are doing very, very badly this season, but needed certainly. Um, 
and Lazio winning 3-2 against Atalanta. They've both had rough starts to this season. Right now, Roma are 10th in the table on 11 points. Lazio are joint 12th in the table on 10 points. Um, that's with those wins they just got. I am curious to know where you think these two teams are up to respectively. Obviously, you just talked about the fact that Juventus doesn't have midweek football. Both of Roma and Lazio do. I think that's certainly having an impact. Um, for, for Roma, it feels like the headlines right now are Paolo Dybala injured again, which is, of course, an every season story. But um, Lukaku coming in, and I think he scored now seven goals in his last seven games. I know he's not your favourite, Mina, but you can't deny his impact. That is impressive numbers. Um, at Lazio, they've had almost this sort of, I find it like it's almost like an inverse of Milan in the Champions League, where I'm not sure they've deserved to win either of their games, but they got the draw against Atletico with Ivan Providel coming up and scoring in injury time. They got the 96th minute winner against away to Celtic with Pedro, and suddenly they're in quite a good position in that group. Um, but it feels like almost inverse to what we normally expect with Sadi. Very clearly, the Champions League is what's exciting to him right now in the league. They're not doing great. Um, the one sort of other note I had um, as like the big note coming out of this weekend for them was just um, Castellanos, of course, uh, summer signing um, for them. And there was this, supposedly this uh, this argument between Claudio Lotito and Maurizio Sari after their league defeat to Milan about why isn't Castellanos playing more when he started this game. He did score their second goal. So perhaps... Um, uh, a step in the right direction for them. And Lotito certainly was was gloating afterwards about how, look, this is what happens when you play the players who I signed. Yeah, maybe you, you should sign some of your players in the early st- stage of the season, like purely requested of Milan. Um, purely requested that, that of Milan and they finished their business very early. So he had a squad to really work with <laughs> from the start. And even then you could see like it was hard to embed so many new players. You're asking a lot of somebody who who has a very complicated list of tactics in which the whole team has to partake in both the attacking and defensive phase. I mean, it's a very difficult style of play under Maurizio Sarri, but it's also one that requires such mental focus, which is why I was amazed because I've always enjoyed their matches against Napoli because it's almost like that's the only time they're completely mentally and entirely devoted to um, playing the match and being so concentrated, but it's hard to do. And it's very hard to do when you're losing experience in the likes of Milinkovic Savage and you need Luis Alberto to always come through. You need you need your older guys to be there. Um, but Immobile is Immobile. And unfortunately, he has been injured in, in and out of the squad. I know that he is someone that is talked about quite a lot on this pod. Um, but Castellanos coming in his place is really did a terrific job. But this is the thing with Lazio. They can be really good in spurts, right? They can be because of the fact that it requires so much mental concentration. And that's always what's worried me under Sadi. Okay, just going to um, say quickly, we had a little technical hiccup. Um, I don't know if you'll experience it on your end when the final podcast comes out, but just in case you do, just wanted to acknowledge that we had a little uh, glitch with our systems, but um, hopefully she'll be back and running again now. It has slightly caused me to lose the thread of where we were just up to with Roma and Lazio Mina. Um, but um, I, I I don't know which of these two teams do you think is, is in a healthier spot overall? Obviously Roma, it just feels like these injuries 
uh, are going to define so much. And, and that's always been true of Dybala when he's around, it makes such a difference. But Lukaku, certainly those goals can't hurt. Um, with with Lazio, it, to me, when I look at Lazio, I, I still struggle to see the balance in this team without Milinkovic Savage. I feel like there have been some better moments, there have been some worse moments, but there's just no unifying presence in the team that can match what he used to bring in terms of knitting everything together. Yeah, absolutely. I think Lazio can grow a lot more than they've managed recently. And I think their performances are better than what they have shown us. But I trust Roma more, to be honest with you, going forward. Largely because I trust um, their attack. Obviously, you have Lukaku up front, who's already already scoring. People were saying that he hasn't trained, but he had. That was the whole thing with Inter. That was why it was so unusual, because he was sending all these messages to Inter to update them with his um, training and how much he had dedicated his summer to that. So, which is why it was really surprising that he chose to, you know, that all that whole thing happened because it's like, why are you so much in contact with the gym team? If you, you like the conditioning squad, if you didn't actually think you were going to go there, but you have him, you have Dybala, you have Pellegrini. I think Hussam Awa is, is a wonderful midfielder. They, they've lost something on the defensive level, but they've also been playing with a lot of absences. And so, yes, they haven't been great. And there are question marks about Mourinho because of his season. But I do think based on the some of the quality that they have within the side and the discipline that Mourinho can enforce, I trust them a bit more, but I don't trust them to make top four. I, I think it's 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 looking like a hard road for either of them already just because of how competitive it's looking at the top of City. I do think we've got a very healthy level of competition at the top part of the table. Obviously, we've talked about the two Milan clubs, we've talked about Juventus, we've talked about Napoli and Fiorentina. I haven't even mentioned Atalanta yet, who've had some ups and downs so far this season, but certainly uh, some things to like there. Charles de Ketelara has, has shown more in his time there than he did at Milan. Uh, Scalvini's had a brilliant start to the season. Coop Miners, there's, there's been some really good stuff from Atalanta as well. And and they were um, very much present in that uh, defeat to Lazio. It was a game that they came back into from 2-0 down and was in the balance at 2-2. Um, so definitely going to be competitive at the top of the table. Um, perhaps even a team like Bologna, who are in the middle of the moment, but have actually lost once all season, could yet find their way into that conversation as well. Um, we're running slightly short on time now, Mina. I did want to have a very, very quick discussion about Italy with the two big Euro qualifiers coming up. They are uh, playing Malta in Bari on Saturday, then they are away to England at Wembley on Tuesday. Obviously, it has to be three points against Malta. That's non-negotiable, but getting something from that game Wembley would also be valuable because it is looking like a tough battle for the second qualifying spot in this group still with Ukraine and North Macedonia. Um, I don't know if there's any sort of huge talking points Italy that you wanted to get at, Mina. I think things that jump out with the the squad call-ups, exciting to see Bonaventura back in there after three years away. He's earned it with his performances this season for Fiorentina. The provocative one that I'd love to get into at some point and maybe today isn't the day is I think it's time that we have a serious conversation about whether Vicario should be getting a chance to start ahead of Donnarumma in goal. I think I think it's time. I think Donnarumma, I'm not saying he needs to be out on his ear and never a part of it again, but I don't think his performances have been anywhere near at a level where you should think him untouchable and Vicario has been really good for Tottenham so far. 
I think let this be a lesson that if you, I always encourage people to leave Italy and find spaces, but perhaps PSG is not the place to go. I don't know if you heard about <laughs> Verratti and all his smoke. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Verratti has been, an, you know, was an excellent player and, and re- was excellent even for PSG. But I don't know if you read about Luis Enrique telling him about all the smoking and how he's the typical type of player that he absolutely hates. Um, I just... It's not the club that you would want your players to go to because there's a lot of problems. But I do love the way that he spoke about Donnarumma as being this really good man who's obviously faced a lot of criticism from Milan playing back in Milan for the quad. It's been hard for him. It's been really hard, you know. Um, but yes, I mean, Vicario, if we are going on meritocracy, then I think it's only it's only fair that, Mer- uh, that Vicario gets a, the ability the chance to play. Um, I love Udogi being called up. I feel like Spalletti just, he just looks like a guy that really, really appreciates the job. And that is what makes me so happy because to see somebody who appreciates his job and being really eager to watch all the talent and who he's going to call up and how he's going to play it just makes me, just makes me really happy. Yeah, I think um, I'm with you, obviously, Udogi's Brilliant to see him getting his chance and uh, absolutely um, very geo. Jesus Simon's had a little visitor on screen and it's now hard not to be distracted. Um, um, uh, sorry, one of Simon's kids has just come in and we're recording on a video call and it's hard to stay concentrated. Without um, saying hello. <laughs> exactly. Um, I... Um, yeah, I, I I absolutely think that. I think the problems with this Italy team are the same ones we've been talking about forever. We're still not sure where the goals are coming from and um, Rotegi being injured doesn't help that picture. But there is some really good stuff in this Italy team too. And I think that Udogi for part of the future of it is obviously huge. The midfield, I think, has an abundance of options. Um, and uh, mm. and Sandro Tonali being off in Newcastle, as Mina says, can can help as well with getting a different experience. Just on the variety point if I wanted to clap back at Luis Enrique if he's not Luis Enrique's kind of player perhaps from watching Luis Enrique's PSG this season I might respond because he's a midfielder is that is that why he's not Luis Enrique's kind of player oh that's wonderful I love I love a Nicky clap back (laughs) can I just say I love a Nicky clap back (laughs) but on that note um I think we're out of time for today sorry um uh for not having even more time to talk with Mina, but we're going to, we're going to do this more regularly from now on. Um, you'll have to bear with us while we work out a schedule for exactly how we do it. Um, but we are all agreed that this podcast is, is more fun when we get to do it together. So we're working on it and we will keep you updated as much as we can. In the meantime, do head over to sarahchronicles.com forward slash Patreon, where you can subscribe for the Tifosi membership with a free seven day trial at the moment. And uh, even, even as we come back to doing these together, the Patreons will always get priority access to every episode and a voice note before the rest of the world gets them and no ads and bonus Patreon-only content. That's all we've got time for today, guys. Um, such a treat to be back in uh, recording with Mina. Um, don't know exactly what the schedule is going to look like going forwards, but we both love doing these together and uh, it's much more fun this way. So we're going to work on making sure that we get to do episodes together going forward. Just there with us while we work out the logistics of that, but a promise from us now that we will be doing that more. Um, for now, thank you so much to all of our patrons for the recent feedback. It's been really helpful also in assuring us that this is the right direction we need to take and, and start doing more together. Uh, you can find us as always on Twitter at Nikki Bandini and at Mina Rizuki. And you can subscribe to Serial Chronicles on YouTube for clips and shorts 
of videos of the show. We're trying to do some more of that as well. So do check that out and uh, we'll see you for the next one. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.